Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. State, hosted by Joe Matthew and Reggie Blackwell. Today, Reggie and I wrap up the Pop-Tarts Bowl and look ahead to the transfer portal on what K-State needs going forward. We also talk about Matt Wells being hired as co-offensive coordinator for the Wildcats and how that looks going into 2024. We'll get right into that, but first a message from our sponsor. With NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Joe, how you doing? I'm doing good, Reggie. Well, how are Reggie, you? I'm doing great. We're in 2024. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. The Wildcats have completed a nine and four season. I guess uh, I say still a good season when you can win nine games and only lose four. Winning yep. the bowl game always helped, which we're going to talk about in great detail, but I think overall we would have to say we had a little bit more expectations for the Wildcats to go a little bit deeper uh, with Big 12 aspirations and to be 9-4. and So I wouldn't call it a disappointing year, but I will call it one that I I thought we would have won a couple more ballgames. Yeah, they're about where I thought they would be. And some of those games were disappointing. They lost. The Texas game sticks out as one that they should have won. But overall, it was a good year. Got that full game win to cap off the season. Yeah, it was nice to win the game. And we, we might as well get into that because you were down there in Orlando kind of hanging out with the team and kind of talk about your experience down there and how the bowl game went for you. Yeah, it's always good to get to a bowl game, and I've been to many of these uh, over the years with Kansas State. Uh, I got down there uh, two days before the game. Uh, It was a good experience. Uh, I think the bowl game itself, Joe, did an excellent job of really integrating both teams into the community of Orlando. They did some things with some inner-city kids going to the amusement park. The mayor politicians, everybody really, really embraced that whole Florida Citrus Bowl game deal, you know, because the Pop Tots Ball is one of the three bowl games that they do down there. Uh, And I really think that community does an excellent job uh, and that Camping World Stadium, which is right in kind of the neighborhood, the heart of Orlando, and it's not like it's in Disney. Um, so they do a good job of really just giving back to the community, making sure the bowl game is 
involved and it's just not a game. So it was really good to see that. I think K-State enjoyed it. I think the fans enjoyed it. Uh, it's always good to be in Florida with warmer weather. And then you did have Disney that's right down the street. I think a lot of the Kansas State coaches and their families were able to enjoy that aspect of it because everybody brought their families down. So it looks like they enjoyed that. So it, it's a welcome experience, I think, for the teams, the families, to kind of culminate a long season, especially for those coaches who wives and they endure a lot um, for the coaches. So was able to kind of be a little bit rewarded at the end of the year with a little vacation. Yeah, and uh, I noticed, or the crowd goes, that they had the upper level of the stadium kind of shut off, like no one sat up there. <laughs> Just to kind of use the lower bowls. So what did the crowd look like? The crowd was lower bowl. You know, I, I, I don't know what the official numbers was, but it's probably, I estimate, 20-some plus thousand tickets yeah. were sold. Uh, I think you still had a great representation of Kansas State fans coming down there. And that's not an easy trip for Manhattan, Kansas, or the state of Kansas, or the kind of surrounding areas to get to Orlando, particularly because, uh, you know, you don't find out until the 1st of December, and them plane tickets are not the cheapest. No. And it's a long drive. <laughs> it's a not long like drive. driving from KC to Texas or Manhattan to Texas or whatever, right. you know, for right. a game so, down there. But so the commitment level of the fans that did make the trip and made the sacrifice financially to be able to do it with them and their family, you know, that's a big commitment. So I think when you take all of those factors in play, it was a, still a nice crowd from K State. Um, the band and stuff got out in the community. They still had a pep rally before the game. Um, pep so that rally was looked nice. pretty big, actually, from what I it saw. Was, it was looked big. It was huge. It was in a nice location, too, the way they had it outside. So the weather cooperated, which was nice. And then they did a Golden Cat deal as well. They had a reception for some former players um, the night before the game. So that was nice, too. Yeah, as far as the game goes, you know, I was happy with what Avery Johnson did. I I don't think the run, the quarterback run game was part of the playbook in that game, which I found interesting. Uh, they had him pass and then running, the, you know, handing the ball off to the running backs. I know that quarterback run game is part of the playbook, but they didn't call it during the game. Now, he had some scrambles where he, he ended up with almost 80 rushing yards, I think, but. Overall, I was happy with the way Avery ran the offense. What did you think? I think I think they did it to plan. I think I, I think they've been very careful with Avery. Uh, they wanted him to have a good game, but you got to remember we don't have much depth behind Avery, and I don't yeah. think they really wanted to sacrifice a bowl game to get Avery hurt. So I think Riley and Climbing were very careful and not utilizing the quarterback run game. I think they really told Avery to, if you got the scrambles, get out there, but get down, get out of bounds. You know, don't put yourself in harm's way. And I think that was very intentional. I think when you get into the season next year and we got some solidified depth behind Avery and we get into our normal Big 12 play, I don't think you're really going to see it to Big 12 play. 
Uh, I think in the non-conference, they'll still be a little careful with them as well. But then I think you'll get unleashed with the full package. Yeah, I think so too. Another thing that really impressed me about him is, you know, you see the athleticism. He's got a good arm. Uh, he's pretty accurate for the most part, passing the ball. But his awareness of not forcing passes in when receivers are covered and he doesn't see him open, uh, his his ability just to say, all right, this play's not going to work. I'll just throw it away and throws it out of bounds. He did that at least a handful of times where you don't really – you certainly don't see a true freshman quarterback with that type of awareness and ability on the field, and you rarely even see it from senior quarterbacks that have that, you know, I don't see anything open. I'm going to look around a little bit, and if it's not open, we'll go on to the next down. No, I think that's a great point. I think just to elaborate more on Avery Johnson's performance, I think you have to give it a very good grade because what you're stating is the poise uh, and, and, and just the – being able to not get too excited, not push things where they don't need to go, and just take advantage of the opportunities that are given to them and get into the next play. I think that's one of one of the key attributes that's going to separate Avery Johnson from a lot of young players is that I think he understands his abilities. He understands his limitations as well. But I think he he really wants to make sure that the team can be successful. And he's not going to try to take his personal attributes and put the team at harm's way, meaning trying to make a play for stats versus, you know, getting an interception. What are your thoughts about the play calling? Connor Riley, that was his first game, you know, all the plays. I thought... It's kind of funny because you you mentioned it already that they had a game plan going into the game. Let's not run Avery too much. Make sure he plays the entire game, doesn't get beat up. But the, the running game, they were stubborn about the running game, even when North Carolina State was stuffing them there in the third and fourth quarter. And the, the handoff up the middle to DJ Kiddens on first down, at the on the first play of every drive got comical at one point <laughs> because like five six drives in a row it's okay first down hand off hand off up the middle to DJ Kiddens for one yard. Right. So what are your thoughts about that? I think I think you uh, you and the rest of the fans probably got Kansas State got predictable, but in Colorado's defense. I, I think the game plan was that they thought their defense was playing fairly well. Um, there's there's two things that you want to accomplish coming out of a bowl game. You want to win the game, yep. but you still want to get everybody to be the most healthy as possible. So I really think, given the situation, uh, DJ was having some success. And he yeah. was breaking some. Especially early. yeah. Especially early. But what you're referring to is after halftime, North Carolina State made some adjustments. They, right. they adjusted. We were hitting them in the mouth in the first half, no doubt. I think that that's where 
Connor just wanted to just stay with his guns. Long as we just didn't get behind the sticks and kind of stayed a little bit at second and eight, second and seven, um, not second and 11 and 12 that he got a couple times because we had some loss yardage. I think what his mindset was, was really trying to just stay right above the sticks. If he can don't get behind on second down, he had enough in his play chart on second down to get to a third and manageable, then he can kind of do some things to move the game. I think it really was a very, very calculated, scripted game plan and very cautious and somewhat vanilla by design. Right. And I guess we can transition into your thoughts about Connor Riley being the now co-offensive coordinator going forward because news came down. It was made official today about an hour ago that uh, Matt Wells is coming in on, to uh, work on the staff as co-offensive coordinator, assistant head coach, and quarterbacks coach. So he'll be working with Connor Riley on the offense. So I guess – in general, your thoughts on uh, how the offense is going to run and work going into 2024. It's very interesting when you have co-offensive coordinators. Bill Snyder did it for a lot with uh, with Bilma and Dale Miller. Yeah, a you lot know. of years we had co-offensive uh, coordinators. So, you know, somebody calls first and second down and somebody calls third down. I don't know how Coach Kleiman is going to do it. Uh, I assume – that uh, Connor Riley is going to be responsible for the run game and uh, Wells will be responsible for the passing game, but then they'll work together on the overall body of the game plan. That's just, that's just my assumptions. I don't know though. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he's going to divvy up the responsibility level, but I think for coach Kleiman, this was a, uh, a win for him because Wells is, as was well documented, a very good friend of his. Uh, and Riley's been with him for 10 plus years, uh, coming from North Dakota. So, you know, they've got a close relationship in bond. Yeah. He's an outstanding line coach. So, this gets him a promotion, it keeps him in house, and it gets him with a very close relationship with a friend that used to be a former head coach in the building as well. So I think it's a win, 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 win situation for Coach Kleiman and the Kansas State staff because you get a veteran coach that has head coaching ability that can take a little bit of pressure off of Coach Kleiman and can bounce some decisions with him, you know, that you bring to the staff with a lot of experience yeah. of being at the helm one that has experience of coaching the quarterbacks and has called plays, and you still elevate one of your existing guys as well. So with all those dominoes, depending on how they're going to be able to cohabitate together, which I'm sure climbing is going to work out the responsibilities, it looks like from afar that it was a good workable decision uh, one that everybody gains, and especially the players, because you're getting a new coach that has head coaching experience, that understands climbing, they get along, 
and you had an existing coach that got a promotion. So mm-hmm. that shows that, hey, we can work within our, our own coaching staff. You could get promoted, and but you're not too far removed to bringing somebody else in to help elevate the whole offensive side. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of pluses, and I call this a home run hire. I mean, I wanted Matt Wells from the very beginning when I heard Klein was leaving because uh, I knew Lyman and Wells have worked together in the past and they're buddies. So to me, it was a no-brainer if they could make it work financially to bring him in. And, you know, he brings a lot more to the table than just calling plays. Experience as a head coach, you pointed out well. Uh, to help climb and maybe bounce some things off back and forth. And also something uh, a lot of people haven't talked about, but it could help recruiting too. Because I'm sure exactly. Matt Wells has a lot of recruiting connections from his time at Texas Tech. Knows probably a lot of the high school coaches. So, yeah, it's, it's a win-win, and I think it's a home run hire. Yeah, he's well-documented. Venables, I know, stated some things when he brought him in as the uh... – uh, you know, as a as a uh, you know position at uh, Oklahoma as an analyst, that he really really liked the connections that Matt Wells has in the state of Oklahoma with a lot of the high school coaches. So he's going to really help us in the recruiting, uh, particularly in that northern Texas, uh, you know, Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma uh, Avenue, which we we plucked a few players out of there as well. So you, you're right. That's another avenue from a recruiting standpoint that is going to be big. But I think the biggest thing is what we got to watch to see. And I'm sure when Kleiman has his first press conference, you know, talking about the new hire, how they're going to disseminate the roles yeah. of two offensive coordinators because – that who's is there going to be a primary play caller? Are they both going to call plays? How is that going to work? Right. Yeah. The logistics of that. That's a good point. Bringing that up. <laughs> they can't both call the plays every time. Uh, no. They're not always going to agree 100% on what play to call and no. who has the authority to make the final decision. So, yeah, that'd I'm be sure, interesting. I'm sure Clyburn to do that because. You can remember back, even Snyder's on his last couple of years, Andre Coleman and um, Colin Klein were co-offensive coordinators, but Andre had the primary play call. Yeah. And then when Dana Dimmel and Dale Miller was co-coordinators back on the Snyder staff, I think Dale Miller, I mean, Dana Dimmel called first and second down. And Dale Miller called third down. Okay. So that was interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that works. But I think everybody's across the board. It looked like the reaction for the Kansas State basis. Everybody's happy. Yeah, I think so, for the most part. All right. I don't really have, I think, my big baller for the ball game, though I do have to go. I, I know the MVP went to Avery Johnson, and I can understand that. Uh, but I do think DJ Giddens is my big ball of the game. I do think with his rushing game, he set the tone in the first half of really getting K-State out the box. I have to give the big baller for the bowl game 
to Mr. DJ Giddings. I'll go along with that. I really love him, you know, going forward in 2024 as starting running back. He's really gotten better and better in my eyes ever since he's been playing back there. So I'm, I'm very happy to have him as starting running back. And I think they'll probably get a running back or maybe two from the portal. I don't know if you heard anything about that or. I think they would probably like to get one at least. Uh, but uh, I think DJ has solidified that. And I think they like what they got behind DJ too. Yeah. They just have to have to let it develop and get out there. So I think the they running have back. have a couple young guys. Yeah. yeah, they got a couple young boys that will be able to play. And DJ has shown that he can be the bell cop. You know, he can run it 25, 30 times if he needs to in a game. We don't right. need him to do that every game. But if it's getting to one of those slow grinded out, you know, you know, long possession type games, he can do that. He, yeah. he can do that. Or he can, you know, get 10 or 15 and have somebody else. It would be nice to get a home run hitter, you know, that can take it, boom, hit it to the house. Really, really big play. Don't be surprised the kid we got out of um, Vegas, the running back. Uh, I'll think of his name in a second. That's coming in. He's a young guy out of high school. He's going to be a big one out of Las Vegas. He's at a pretty renowned high school. He was committed to Hawaii. We oh, got yeah. him. We got him. Uh, on a reversal, I think he's going to be a welcome surprise. He's a smaller back, but he's got some giddy up. Don't be surprised to see him play as a true freshman. Devon Rice, Devon Rice, one eighty. Keep an eye on Devon Rice. I think he's described the, as explosive. Yeah, he's going to be the. He's <laughs> so. going to be the. He's going to be the surprise. I watched the film on him, uh, and I watched him play. Don't be surprised if him uh, breaking into the lineup quickly right. and spelling, uh, you know, DJ there. I do have a rapid fire for you. Yep. Now, I found it interesting that K-State, out of the 2024 Big 12 schools, has the best odds to make college football playoff at 60-1. to 1. Or was it to win the championship? I can't remember. Maybe it was to win the championship. You saw some odds already? Just came. Yeah. To win I'm the Big 12? I'm guessing myself. I think it was to win the championship. It the was Big 12 championship. No, the national. And we had the best odds? Out of any of the Big 12 schools, yeah. That sounds right. So we so, probably got the best odds to win the Big 12. Right. So my question for you is who wins the Big 12 in 2024? I think the Big 12 is going to be one of the most dynamic, interesting races and most competitive conference in the history of college football next year. Yeah. That's how confident I think it's going to be. I think you've got probably three to four teams that's going to separate themselves from the noise. But I think anybody almost top to bottom can beat anybody on any given day. So I will break it down into tiers. I think you're going to have Kansas State, Arizona, K 
Kansas, Oklahoma State in a tier. I think that's going to be your major big tier. Then I think the next one that's going to be right there is going to be Colorado, Iowa State, um, West Virginia, Utah, that, that kind of group of teams. But I think all in all, I think Kansas State and probably Oklahoma State, when all the noise does, I got to look at the schedule and see who plays who. But I think those two are going to survive because I think we got the most experience. The old Big 12 teams are kind of getting through this gauntlet. I know the Big 12 team, I mean, the Pac-12 teams, Colorado and Arizona coming over and they played some pretty gauntlet schedules. But I don't mm -hmm. think it, across the board, the Pac-12 had an anomaly last year that was really, really deep. I think they've always really been top-heavy, meaning USC, Utah, Oregon, Washington, you know, not all the way deep as they've been the last couple of years with Oregon State and Washington State. So I think Kansas State and Oklahoma State, I think Gundy will figure out a way to get his roster intact. And he'll be right there. He understands how to get through the gauntlet. And I'm not sure if Arizona is consistent or is it a fling. I was so, wondering that too, because I, I think they're a contender, <laughs> but I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and I think Col on that. And I think Colorado is on the come, but I don't know. We'll see week in and week out how Dion and his boys can compete. Yeah. But I'm I'm fired up to go to the game there next year in Colorado. I know we play there. Yeah, I've got my bedroom uh, reserved at my daughter's house. So. Right. <laughs> and it was 60 to 1 odds to win it all next year. 60 to 1? Yeah, and Utah is the only other Big 12 school mentioned at 75 to 1. So 60 to 1, was the, we was the best odds to win the national championship. Yep. <laughs> That's interesting. Yes, it is. 60 to 1 right now. To win it, though, right? Right, to win it. Well, that's kind of – I thought we would be higher than that. Yeah, me too. Want to put five bucks on it? <laughs> yeah, we need, we need to at least put 10 on. Yeah, All right. <laughs> uh, so, will K-State make the college football playoff in 2024? Anyway, it's expanding to 12 teams. As we know, so as we see it, it was this year. So, as we see it right now, I think we're going to win the conference next year. So that'll automatically give us a spot in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, right. But I do think we will get in the playoffs with two losses. Okay. So here's a basketball question: Will Jerome Tang be K State's basketball coach in all of 2024? Yes, I think he will. Oh. And and a lot of people probably would disagree with me on that. I know the Linton thing and the, you know, Naquan Tomlin situation is still a sour pill, especially the way he's performing at Memphis right now. But I do think when all the dust settles, uh, I'm still optimistic that Tang will have a respectable season. I'm not sure how well we're going to do in conference this year, if we're still an NCAA team. Uh, 
I think he will be able to find some kind of chemistry to pull it together or we'll get hot and do something in the Big 12 tournament to eat and get into the tournament. But I just don't know how deep we will go this year. But I yeah. think what he has coming in with the young playmaker, um, the big four or five star we got coming in, and then give him one more year of kind of recruiting, I think he'll be right back. All right. So who wins between Michigan and Washington on Monday night? Boy, I tell you. Washington shocked me from holding on to beat Texas. I really yeah, thought they, Texas. Yeah, me too. That's <laughs> I thought they were the weakest of the four going into it, but they really impressed me, especially Penix. Well, Penix looks he, great. He I don't think awesome, he, man. I don't know if he can throw the ball any better than he did the other night. I don't know. I don't think so. But I tell you, I think it's something about that Michigan defense that showed me against Alabama. Yeah. Um, them boys, they can play some consistent. They just play old blue collar football. Yeah, nothing real, real fancy, but they get they play good up front on offense and defensive side of the ball. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They got good football players, and they got a chip on their shoulder for Harbaugh. I think this is Harbaugh's last game at the University of Michigan. Uh, I think he want to go out as a national champion. So I'm going to go with Michigan to win it all. Harbaugh goes off to the NFL. I just think he's just ready to leave the college ranks with all the minutia and the transfer portal and all the other stuff. I just think he's built better for the NFL. All right. Yeah, you kind of threw that one in there on me. So, <laughs> um, so does Lance Lightbolt get uh, the Michigan job then? Well, now that's a good, good question. I don't. I think they got to go after Lance. Uh, I know Michigan State did a little bit, but Lance may not be big enough for Michigan, though. That's what I think. That'd be a yeah. hard sell for their fan base and a little right. base. It's probably the best, that. probably the best coaching decision. Yeah, but for Michigan and that fan base, after winning a national championship, getting handed a team like that, they need a bigger, sexier name. Yeah, that's what I think, too. And for the record, I've got Washington winning uh, nail biter. <laughs> you got Washington doing it. I just think Michigan, yeah. man, the way they came back and beat Alabama, because I thought Alabama would win it all. I did, too. I had, Alabama, I, I had an Alabama-Texas rematch. Yeah, I did, too, uh, and I thought Alabama would win it all. So yeah. but the way Michigan dominated the line of scrimmage, those boys, they got a, they got a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, they do. So we'll see what happens there. Oh, here's an NFL one for you. So I keep waffling on this one myself. But what two teams are going to make the Super Bowl? Well, I like I like what's going on in Baltimore. So I like Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And then I still think, still think at the end of the day, with all the minutia said and done in the NFC, um, the 49ers got too much talent across the board. They will make it. They will get through the tournament. They got the number one seed. They're going to do it. So I'm going with both two number one seeds, Baltimore and the 49ers, meeting for the Super Bowl in Vegas, which would be crazy. 
That's who I have too, but I don't, I don't trust Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. Oh, something, <laughs> something weird always happens. Well, he's been you not consistent. I trust him now, though. Yeah, I oh, yeah. They've and been I, kicking I, butt the last few weeks for sure. And I think their defense is a lot better than what it's been in the past. And they're running the ball a lot better right they now. They are. So. And I just think Frisco has the best roster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and they with them in home field advantage, even if the Cowboys can get through, if they be the number one seed, I mean, number two seed, and have to match up in the NFC championship game, which I'm still not sure if the Cowboys can win two playoff games in a row either. But uh, I do think that don't discount Detroit. All right. I don't won't. Dis- don't discount <laughs> Don't discount Detroit. They they're a feisty team. They got they got a bad call against Dallas. They got shaft. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I just know. don't see them putting a run together of two or three games to make it. But not with San Fran and Dallas and even the Eagles in their way. Although the Eagles, Detroit probably beat the Eagles if they played them. Yeah, if they play them today, I think they will. Yeah, the Eagles yeah. got it. Some they went into a funk. Yeah. But they still got some playmakers with Jalen Hurts and those guys. But yeah, I think the Super Bowl is going to be Lamar Jackson against Purdy. Yeah, so it should right. be good. Well, all right, man. Well, you got anything else? Other than that, that's it. We'll uh, we'll figure out if we jump in a little bit for some basketball action. We'll uh, and other than that, then we'll get ready to see how this transfer portal shakes out. I'm hoping. K-State still add. They need a nose guard, a linebacker, maybe another receiver, particularly maybe one more running back. Uh, so that would be nice to, to to get out of the portal. Yeah, they still need a, a few pieces. So. Still need a few pieces. But, the, you know, the core of K-State, even what they lost – you know, through graduation and through, you know, the transfer portal, I think the nucleus of their team is still in good shape. They got a lot of experience mm-hmm. coming back. Even on the O-line, you're going to lose the big, big, big pieces of the O-line and a lot of experience. But I think they've been grooming those young guys come behind for a I while. Look, I, I looked at the roster because I was interested in that too. Like, who's going to play off? line and they've got a lot of young kids that are big guys like six four three twenty yeah you know a true freshman or a sophomore that kind of been you know developing and on the depth chart maybe second or third string but yeah they I, I do think uh, yeah I do think they'll be fine offensive line and we've talked about it before but climate all its figures it out on defense Secondary will be fine. Linebackers will be fine. Would be nice to have some beef up front on that defense line, but I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, I really would like to get a really, really dynamic. Uh, and we got some couple of young guys that's going to be good. Austin Romain in the middle and some of those guys. But I would like to get an experienced linebacker out the portal to help um, – Cornell and uh, and Austin would be nice. And remain, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, sir. All right, my cool, friend. Man. Well, let's well, uh yeah, we might keep this going with some basketball talk. We'll talk about that offline. But yeah, I think we're we're good for today. All right. Well, have a good week and uh you too, brother. We'll see how hey, don't discount the women's girl, women's basketball. I think they got final four potential in them. Uh, I've heard that. I I haven't watched I, them yet. I watched I'll them. be honest. I, uh, I started last watching. Year, I really got into them. I really I was watching. Hey, them. this then, this is probably the best team they got, Joe. You better pay attention. I need but to it, turn them on right now. You need to but, write a column. You need to write a column about them. The I, women's basketball. You. <laughs> A they, column that nobody will read. They, I've hey, been you, down that road. <laughs> you got to bring them out. They'll come out, Joe, when they start like winning. I get one one hundredth of the readers when I write about women's basketball than I do <laughs> anything else. But, they, yeah, hey. you're right. I need to do it. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. Women's basketball, I'm going to try to go when they play Texas. I got to look at the schedule. I'm going to actually make a special trip to go to Manhattan to watch a women's basketball game in the middle of January. All right. Well, let me know. I may <laughs> join you. Yeah. So, so check out the women's. They only lost us to our, and they beat our. Yeah. They beat them once and then they played them again in a tournament. Yeah. That's the only loss they got. And they are destroying teams. They're already two and oh in the big 12. They got the big boys. They got to, play Texas and Baylor and some of those teams, but they're going to be a hard out. Yeah. I love that Aoka Lee. She's, she's, oh, she's yeah. the real deal. And, you know, they they do an old school offense with her where she posts up on the little block and they just feed it into her. And that's kind yeah. of fun to watch, actually. So, the number 11 Texas in the country. Knows basketball. 11 in the country, Joe. Watch them go up. They, gonna, they, they got a shot. Hope you didn't jinx them. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Talk to you, man. See you later. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.